You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Give the Lord a clap offering, celebrate him. Hallelujah. God bless you all. Please be seated. God bless you. I feel so massively blessed to share this moment with you. Um, Pastor Idris, stair wife, the leaders in the house, thank you for the confidence in my ministry. I do not take the grace of God upon your life for granted. I know what I'm doing now. You know it as protocol of ministry. That is what ministry is going to be. But that's not what I'm doing. The last time I flattered someone was 1997 that I attempted to qualify an experience I'm having with that person in a way that is not authentically true. 1997. Since then, my year, I try all I can to make it year. If I don't like you, I'll tell you. If I don't like you and I'm sure you cannot handle the truth, I will give you with my silence as a deliberate attempt to invest in your peace in that moment. But I will not for any reason say what is not true. If you have a body odor, I will hug you first and I will tell you. That's who I am. I will go out of my way to invest in roll-ons and counsel on how to manage your body. But I will not keep quiet just because I love you too much to offend you. The Bible says open rebuke is better than love concealed. Um, I'm not the type that tried to be liked. The last time I tried that was the year 1998 as well. I don't try to be liked. I try to be respected. When you try to make people like you, you compromise principles. You will say yes when you should say no. You will say no when you should say yes. You will smile when you should frown. You will frown when you should smile. Being respected is commitment to the habitual application of principles. That way you will still be flawed. You will not be perfect. But at least you will have enough clarity to protect your own territory and to insist on the environment that works for your spirit. And that's superior. So everything I'm saying now is not just to fulfill the protocol of ministry and say good things about your church. I've gone to churches where I just picked the mic, prayed, and started speaking. Because if I speak, the church can end. So I've had to just reserve my comment and just do the work, minister to God's people, whether in pretense or in truth, the gospel is preached. And that's important. So I go to places I don't approve, but I do that for what it is worth, for the sake of God's kingdom. I said all of that to say that if I say that I respect this house, I value your pastor, I value the leadership, I value Pastor Idris, I value all of the good people handling the work here, I value the Elevation Church as a whole, Pastor God, my great friend, I mean it. I'm not just trying to say things that should be said in ministry. I mean it from here. Yeah, you can clap. You can give the Lord a clap offering for that. Again, again, the, the, the band. I don't have any adjective to qualify my experience. Um, I have pretty much a very heavy control over my emotions. It takes a lot for me to shed tears. But this Holy Spirit, this morning, through these guys, it took me to a place I want to be. I'm so grateful for your ministry. Thank you so much for your ministry. I feel so blessed. I feel so blessed. I told my assistant when I went to the loo, I said, 
I can as well go back home. I, I've been so blessed. The only reason why I'm opening this microphone now is for you. You know, my own service was done in that worship and in that testimony. See, Miss Allah, God bless you. That's such, that's such an inspiring, encouraging testimony. I'm a warrior. I faced so many battles in my life. I've learned that you don't have grow warfare, you learn to fight. So um, I've just learned to respond and to show a lot of respect to those who take a stand for the integrity of our kingdom. That's what Simisola is doing. The Lord keep you in Jesus' name. And everybody here today seeking some type of new experience or the other, the Lord comfort you and the Lord guide you and instruct you in this season and help you to navigate as you ought to in the name of Jesus. All right, I'm going to read some scriptures very quickly. I'm going to move very quickly as well. I'm going to start speaking. I've not started speaking. I'm going to start speaking in another five minutes. So I will read this very quickly. Um, Romans in chapter 1. You can open it if you are fast enough. If you are not fast enough, it's fine. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all your godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, internal power, divine nature have been clearly seen, been understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than a creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust, even that women exchange natural, even their women exchange natural sexual relations for natural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it wise, think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness and greed and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, good God-haters, unthankful, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Don't be scared, because some of these scriptures can be scary. I don't know how your mind is working, but I'm sure it's not how my mind is working. So just stay with me. Don't assume that you know what I'm talking about today. In 1 Peter 3.15, the Bible says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks of you to give the reason for the hope that, is in, that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Praise the Lord. 
May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Then I have 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. The Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. Praise the Lord. Lastly, just endure the torture. Psalm 90 verse 12. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Before that verse, there are some statements like, satisfy us early. Satisfy us early. Satisfy us early. And then he said, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Am I permitted to step down, sir? Will the camera still capture me and all of that? Awesome. So, we live in very complex times. It is important that you understand the times that we are living in. It is practically impossible for you to be able to sustain the integrity of God's word and to meet up with his standards in these times except you first of all are clear about the times that we are living in. Determination is not a strategy. Anger is not a strategy. As far as the child of God is concerned, you need clarity about where God is. What people need to know is that knowledge, if, 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 if there's a battery problem, can we address it? I don't know why that ceased. I can pause so that we quickly address it, but if you want to change the mic. So, shall I pause just a minute, or shall I just continue? Shall I just continue, sir? Great. So, the goal of knowledge is not recall. The goal of knowledge is not recall. What our schools miss every time is the idea that academics is strong enough to govern behavior. Academics is a human invention. It's a necessary tool of regulation to create balance and order in society. The two people can hold a knife. Both of them can put it in your tummy. One will kill you. The other one will tell me, do work there and wake you up later. The difference is skill and training. For you to be able to know the ones that you can't use determination to perform surgery. You can't say because it's your brother and he's dying and you need him alive, you just put a knife in his stomach to help him to get something inside out. You will kill him sincerely. You will go to jail sincerely. Are we together? The difference between the first guy and the second guy is skill and training. And with that skill and training, we know the difference between both of them because of the label of academics. Academics is what allows us to know which of them we should talk to, a doctor or a quack. The academics that allow us to know we should defend us in court, a lawyer or somebody who has the gift of the gap. Just because you can articulate what you believe does not mean you can defend anybody in court because that requires training and skill. Are we together? So it is academics that allow us to easily collaborate 
and experience participatory ideology in society. Academics allow us to know who the police officer is, who the, who the judge is, who the lawyer is, who the engineer is, who the architect is. To assume that is the height of human clarity will be a terrible assumption. Assumption is only, only a very um, early expression of capacity. As a matter of fact, assumption is the lowest level of knowledge. It's doing is guessing. Clarity is superior to both. And clarity, it's about revelation. And when we have the type of content that God has installed in us, because what we are supposed to share is not what will be given to us. It is installed capacity through the Holy Spirit. Are you here with me? And so academic is what you are taught. Education is what you teach yourself. Now education is superior to academics. And the people I mentioned just about a minute ago, were the guys who have embraced education above the limits of academics. Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, Steve Jobs, and so many all of them in history. Education is the ability of the human spirit to experience his environment, to feel it deep enough and question it deep enough to find the options that exist in it and to know the ones to embrace as a matter of supreme urgency and importance. I'll say it again. Education is the ability of the human spirit to experience his environment, to question it deep enough to find the options that exist in it, and to know the ones to embrace as a matter of supreme importance and urgency. By that definition, so many people are not educated, though they pass the test of academics. They have PhD degrees, master's degrees, BSc degrees, but essentially, they still lack the clarity enough to govern behavior and shape culture. And ladies and gentlemen, the height of human excellence is his ability to generate traction-sensitive, culture-sensitive impact. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If you cannot generate that kind of traction, you're jiving. And it doesn't matter how many people believe in what you're doing. Popularity is not traction. Popularity is not traction at all. You can pass the test of popularity and fail the test of traction. Traction is popularity plus acceptance. That's not my view. That's dictionary. Traction is popularity plus acceptance. So when you are very popular and people have not accepted your ideals, the very essence of your being, the reason why you do what you do, that is why you can know a musician. I know musicians in Nigeria. They are popular. In my corner, they reach me. I feel what they are doing, but they've not taken a cover from me. I've not gone to their concerts. I've not bought their CDs. I've not invested in their videos. I've not done anything like that. It's not because they are not popular, but they have not gained my acceptance. So they don't have traction from me, though they have some so many other people. But part of what I've learned is that if a billion fools say you are wise, I'm sure you'll be depressed. And if one million lunatics say nobody is normal but you, I'm sure you'll be depressed totally. Because you will now be the king of fools and the master of lunatics. You are very popular, but by what standards? And those are ideas about scripted relativism. Stay with me, guys. Revelation, however, is superior to education. Because education comes from outside in. Revelation comes from inside out. 
And that essentially is the work of the spirit, but not the reserve of Christians. There is a spirit in man, not in Christians. There is a spirit in man, the breath of the Almighty that giveth understanding. In John chapter 1 verse 9, the Bible says he is the light that lighted every man coming into the world. He is the light that lighted every man coming into the world. It means every human being is born with a level of illumination. We learn our darkness. Every human being is born with a level of light. We learn our foolishness. Everyone is born with a progressive ability to do amazing stuff. We learn our stagnation. We learn our retrogression. Don't confuse sin nature for foolishness. You can have, full, you can have sin nature and your foolishness is to the degree that you have not recognized that you were made by a creator. It doesn't in any way suggest you cannot be the leader of men. Sin nature does not stop you from being a billionaire legitimately. Sin nature, that's why you see people who are morally sound. They don't sin, sorry. They are sinners, but they don't offend you in that they work almost perfectly. They have incredible morality. They don't drink. They don't steal. They don't cheat. They have fidelity in their lives. They are loyal to so many things. They are loyal to brands. They are loyal to designers. They are loyal to a type of car. They are loyal to a barber. They are, it's just God they are not loyal to. But they understand fidelity. Are we together? And they are strong, those people. And they are doing incredible stuff with sin nature. They are doing incredible stuff with the flesh. The flesh is intact. But because you are a sinner does not mean you are a fool. It does not in any way suggest that you are silly or that you are stupid or that you are even wicked. That is why the best of human beings who is nice, kind, and gentle, as long as he does not receive the God of heaven, Jesus Christ, the son of the living God in his life, will still go to hell. It's not because he's going to slap anybody or get one day wicked with anybody. It's just because he has not accepted the finished work of the cross. And he's not domiciled in his life the promise of the cross. Am I talking to you? However, you must understand how the world is navigating. Today, there's so much value in the system. You just can't be believed just because you want to be believed. It's no longer enough to say what is possible. It's only enough to demonstrate it in one way or the other. The gospel that cannot be communicated is simply philosophy. And there's too much philosophy out there discounted from ideology. Ideology is the only force that has changed the world. Philosophy has never changed the world. Philosophy is at best romance with the possibility of truth. It is not the truth. Ideology is the content that has changed the world. Philosophies, as a matter of fact, have gotten people to their highest state of personal meditation, and yet they committed suicide. Socrates committed suicide. If you read the writings of Socrates and Plato and Heraclitus and all of these deep, amazing philosophers, these are thinkers. They lived before Christ. Socrates lived before Christ. When you hear words like know thyself, those are powerful words from a human being who did not have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, who never experienced the power of the gift of Christ, but is able to speak at that level of clarity that thousands of years, over 2,000 years after he came, we are still studying him in the universities. Christ has been on ground for, about, for 
over 2,000 years. So is Socrates. And we are studying these guys in our schools because they've passed the test of philosophy at the highest level. But to imagine that they committed suicide is very instructive. It means within them lies an emptiness that essentially the strength of their clarity could not experience and could not explain. They resorted to terminating their existence as the response to the conflicts inside of them and outside of them. That cannot be the behavior of a God. Essentially, Shango did the same thing. Shango was a superior genius in his time, I'm convinced, who lived ahead of his time and had intelligence superior to that of his generation and is able to somehow assess eternal and assess some type of spirit that is able to allow him to spark fire from his mouth. In the time that Shango lived in, any form of mystery deserves worship. If you land a television in the wilderness and show the Israelites who they are on screen, you will compete with Moses and Aaron. People will worship you and give you devotion because all mystery was attributed to a type of godish behavior. That is why the ministry of the devil was not revealed in the Old Testament. And because it wasn't revealed in the Old Testament, every mystery was attributed to a divine behavior. So they can say things like, an evil spirit from God tormented Saul. We know in James chapter 1 that God does not tempt anyone with evil. Then does he even tempt anyone at all. Each man is tempted when he's carried away by his own lust, right? But essentially, the reason why they could say an evil spirit from the Lord, which is every blasphemy, essentially, but tolerated palliatively within the ignorance of those people, was because the only way they interpret superior mystery is by attributing it to some type of divine behavior. That is why they could say that God is the one that kills and make it alive. That's why they could say things like, is it not from the mouth of God that both good and evil go forth? You know, things like that. Because once it's mysterious, it must be divine. You must understand five things about articulating God's power. Context is key. Principle is key. Premise is key. Palliatives are key. Dispensations are key. And a palliative is a deliberate attempt to tolerate something in a shadow form until the full substance of the thing can be created. So, for example, if the Americans want to give a village in Kano water, they love the village, they believe in the village, they want to help the village, they cannot give them the water system in America that is bought in sensitive, passed through all houses. If they want to give them gas, they cannot give them the type of gas system in there. They have to pass them down cylinders. Are we together? Essentially, because the infrastructure of those people cannot handle the superior civilization of the Americans. The Americans love you so much. They want to give you the type of water system that they have. But for them to do that, they have to adjust your infrastructure to be able to contain that civilization. So the Americans are compelled to downgrade all that they have to your level of infrastructure to be able to supply you. It's not because something superior is not available. And at times, that's how God deals with human ignorance. There's so much more available to share with us, but our ignorance and our essentially mental infrastructure cannot contain the type of installment that God wants to do. And that is why some ministries are still on ground, which essentially time is going to eliminate whether we like it or not. Some people can come here and want to climb this stage and try to climb this stage from here. It's more effort. Will he climb? Yes. But it's entertaining unnecessary risk because he can trip. 
and then he's spending more time and more effort and more energy just to climb. A wise sir person that is schooled, skilled, and trained who does go through the stairs and come up here, he will do it faster, cheaper, at less risk. Are we together? But because you went to a gutter and you tried to cross the gutter and you fell, you are not supposed to cross the gutter at all. But you chose in your ignorance to cross it and you fell. You shouted, God help me. God is going to come there and help you. Now because God helped you, you fell again. He helped you every time you fall like that unguardedly and stupidly at times. Please let me remind you that foolishness is not an insult. It's a state of existence. It means, it means there is a set of behavior that conforms to a definition. And as you cannot call a carpenter a surgeon, you can't call a fool a wise person or a wise person a fool. That's why the Paul said, he didn't confess positive by saying, oh, wise Galatians. He said, oh, foolish Galatians. Why? Because they were acting in ways that is consistent with the meaning of foolishness. That does not mean you should call people fools. It's just for you to identify in your head a foolish behavior. And to be able to keep it at arm's length so that you don't suffer from the presence of guardedness. Are we together? Right? If you need more than 15 minutes, if you need more than 15 minutes to spot a fool, you may be a fool yourself. You may need to cultivate intentionally the designing spirit of the living God to be able to design people in their value. The Bible says from now on we know no man after the flesh. It must be an intentional commitment. Otherwise, you'll be cheated, used, abused, dumped, robbed in this generation. One of your first expression when you meet people is to greet them lovingly but with curiosity. You don't greet anything with acceptance, belief, or view, or prejudice, or, or, or opinion. You greet anything with decent curiosity. Stay with me. So... By the time you understand that, you see how people struggle on one spot, and in their foolishness, they are trying to cross that place. God is bringing them out, and because they knew, they didn't call Shango, they didn't call Arumila. They called the name of Jesus, and in response to them every time, then they would define that process as a doctrine that explains how God delivers, not knowing that that process, that though God is behind it, is a palliative measure to tolerate their ignorance. And that there is something higher. Therefore, the powerful contact of God with you does not in any way define the limits of God's preference or his excitement. God can walk with what he does not approve. As a deliberate attempt to contain your ignorance in that hour and create continuity. That is why the Israelites were complaining. And after complaining, they would get a blessing in the wilderness. They will yap God, they will insult God, they will yap Moses, they will reject authority, they will do all of that, and they will still ask for manna and God will give them. Because at that point in time, their unguardedness is inferior to God's plan. If their unguardedness was going to resist God's plan, they would get a different response. That was why when they got to Canaan and they were still behaving like that, that behavior at that point was going to hinder God's plan. Canaan was his best for them. Everything they were rejecting and unguardedly associated with when they were coming to Canaan was still tolerated because Canaan is still available. When they got to his best, the main idea for leaving Egypt and they were getting that wrong, he said, this is where it ends. Those after you are the ones that are going to take this thing. You are still my people. You are still my sons. You are still my children. 
but the benefit of this idea on this ground you will not receive. Stay with me. Therefore, we cannot continue to exercise our human experiences as the definition of content in God. And there are so many things that we celebrate in our lives that God allows and God tolerates, but we should not for one second assume that defines God's excellence. And when human beings struggle sincerely with a particular flaw and they cannot overcome it, they begin to promote it as the way God works. But that's not God works. Principles are universal. Experiences are peculiar. And because experiences are peculiar, they are different from person to person. That is why we cannot define truth by human experiences. Otherwise, it will be discounted. And truth has been watered down again and again and again and again all through generations. In the time that we are living in is worse. When Portions Pilate asked Jesus, what is the truth? Jesus did not respond. Essentially, in the defense of his superiority as God, he cannot communicate imperfect thinking. And so he could not identify with Pontius Pilate in that moment because it was a, red, right, it was a wrong question. If he responds to that, he will have also agreed with a part of crack in the life and the head of Pilate. So he had to greet Pilate with silence. The right question should have been, who is the truth? And if he had said, who is the truth? He will have reminded him of what he said before, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. Because truth is not data. It's not information. It's not knowledge. It's not an idea. Truth is a personality. And when you say, what is the truth? You've discounted the power of it. Who is the truth? He will have said, I am. If he had asked what is the truth for 200 years, Christ would have been silent as a deliberate attempt to preserve that moment because it was a wrong question. You have to begin to relate with truth as a personality. Therefore, there must be expectations surrounding that personality because truth, if it remains an idea, if it remains information or knowledge, then it will be subjected to human interpretation and personal interpretation. You cannot interpret Christ personally Though no prophecy is for private interpretation, it's for the good of all. There must be a commonality, a generic idea about that value that all of us can identify with. Otherwise, it will lose its meaning as a God. That is why God is the same anywhere in the world. The experiences are constant everywhere in the world. Am I talking to you? But in a post-truth world, there's a new dimension to articulating truth. Christians confuse facts for truth. Truth is a positive reality beyond the facts. That is why some people were looking at a building and Christ said to them, if you pull it down right now, in three days you'll be raised up. And they thought he was talking about the building, but he was talking about the temple of his body. The question is, how could they figure that out? The idea is they were not supposed to figure it out. Because if they figure it out, they will not kill him. And he came to die. So he had to use words that will provoke the system to kill him. Because he did not come to live. So he had to say things. He had to act in a way that can upset the system so that he can activate their highest anger that can make them to give their highest commitment to terminate his human life. That was his goal. And so he would say things like, before your father Abraham was, I am. 
And that's deep. Because he was saying it to people who were at his naming ceremony 30 years ago. Who prayed for him 30 years ago. Who put sugar in his mouth 30 years ago. And before our father Abraham was, you have been, we didn't even say before we were, before our father Abraham was, you, you have been. Do you know what our father Abraham, how many years ago? We were at your naming ceremony 30 years ago. For them, that is the proof that you are a false teacher, you are a false prophet. That was the proof. And they had legitimate reason to turn away, except that that was part of the plan. Seeing, they must not see. Hearing, they must not hear. That was part of the plan. Some guys were around him one time. He said, except you drink my blood and you eat of my flesh, you cannot partake of my kingdom. This is, this is now ritual. What is this? I mean, this guy should stop this. What is this? If I was on ground during that time, with the way God has blessed me with logic, I will join them to kill Christ. Because it won't make sense to me. It won't make sense to me at all. But you see, that was supposed to be part of the defense of truth beyond the limits of facts. And that is why the Bible can say, you have no dime in your pocket and you can say you are rich. Because you can choose which report you are going to believe. To align with the truth that you know or to surrender to the facts that you are experiencing. And facts can discount the best experience that you deserve in God, except you intentionally rise above the limits of fact by accepting that reality is not truth. Reality is true in that it's a fact, but at best it's a partial capture of the entire expanded view of your being. Your circumstance is incapable of capturing your authenticity. Therefore, you cannot draw conclusion or inspiration from your circumstances. You can understand it. You can engage it. You can use it. But you must not conclude with your circumstance because circumstance is a partial explanation of reality. Reality in Christ Jesus. Your reality is governed by facts. Heaven's reality is governed by truth. So, the highest attack against Christ today is not the idol worshippers or the Shongos and the Orumilas. The Orumilas and the Shongos are functioning within a block called animism. The unnecessary devotion to objects and suppressing, sorry, promoting those objects as possibly of offering human freedom. And that is where Shongo, Batala, Amadiora, and all of them are. These guys cannot do jack, but our minds can submit to a created thing. Now, the Bible says, to whom you yield yourself to obey, the same shall be your master. The thing in itself have no mastery over you, but your yieldedness can invent the mastery. And that's why people bow down to a metal and hear God's voice inside it clearly. Hear a type of voice. Is it a voice they are hearing? Yes. Are they really hearing a voice in those devotions? They hear voices clearly, trust me. Except that the voice they are hearing is a simple analysis of autosuggestion. Who is speaking? Them. Who is hearing? Them. They are the instruction. They are the instructed. They are the instructor. And that is what happened with autosuggestion. Don't try it. But if anybody has the madness to consider that as a research point, you can try it. Put a telephone or a shoe or any object in your house. 
worship him terribly with commitment and loyalty, with devotion consistently at a time for 14 days, you will hear a voice clearly saying, this is the way, walk in it. You will hear it clearly. You will hear a voice. Will that voice be the divine voice? No. Will it be the devil's voice? No. The devil doesn't have a voice. Your unguarded voice is his voice. What is going to happen is that it's going to deceive you to believe in yourself. And once you have that belief, you begin to hear a voice clearly. Nobody will hear it, but you'll be hearing it. The more you hear and they don't hear, the more convinced you are that you are hearing something. And so you are on the path of truth. It's called confident ignorance. You know nothing, but you are not aware. So you carry your ignorance with swag and pride. Do you get what I'm saying? So because you are hearing something, you will stay in what you are hearing. And that's why there's idol worship, they are really hearing stuff. But it's called auto-suggestion. Their faculty is suggesting to their mental syntax that this is how to operate and this is what is going on. What is going on is completely out of what is really going on, but they are in a parallel universe. A universe that they know and a universe that you and I in. It's called parallel universes. So those, two, those guys are functioning in two different universes, doing two different things at the same time. We also function that way as Christians. I hope you know. We function that way. Right now, I am talking to you. Right now. I'm talking to you as a pastor. Right? But right now, as I'm talking to you, I am also seated at the right hand of God, doing something completely different from what I'm doing here. Oh, you don't get that. I'm not going to do that. I'm already doing that right now. The moment I give my life to Christ, I am seated at the right hand of God. And I am doing something different from what I'm doing here. Those are two universes. That's what science calls parallel universe. Oh, if you speak to atheists a lot, which I do, if you address skeptics a lot, you have to be able to explain God from what he has made. You can't go to the Bible. When you are talking to atheists, skeptics, a Bible is not a time of reference. You can't say David said, they don't believe in the Bible, so you, you can't refer to David. You can't, say, you can't say, you know when Solomon, you can't say, who is Solomon? They don't know him. So you have to talk like Christ and speak, speak Christ's explanation from tears, from sun, from coins, from fish, from farmer. You know, you have to talk about parallel universes, dark matter, dark energy. You have to talk about what is going on in the world, post-truth, secularism, um, and all of those things. Am I talking to you? Anyway, part of what is now happening is that there is a an attack on truth right now. Guess who the attack is meant for? You and I. Philosophy is now camping around our ideology and is offering us a discounted format of what God is able to deliver. Let me shock you to know that while philosophy has never changed the world, ideology has always changed it. Nazism, ideology. Terrorism, ideology. Islam, ideology. Christianity, ideology. Communism, ideology. Are you here? So ideology is the only factor that has changed the world. And ideology is dogma. It's dogma. When you hate dogma, you are short-sighted. There's no way you can relate with God if you don't accept dogma. Dogma is not negative. It's the focus of the dogma that is the issue. Just like dictatorship, there's nothing wrong in dictatorship. In a land that is plagued with ignorance, fear, and oppressivity, somebody needs to dictate. Because if I tell you now, write this down. I love my mother. If you write it down, hello, am I, am I annoying you? <laughs> say so. No, sir. If, if you say, I love my child, are you wrong? No, sir. If I say, write it down, do you feel offended? 
Am I not dictating to you? Is it not dictation? Do you have any problem with that? No, so there's nothing wrong with dictation. It's what we are dictating. If I say now, write it down, kill yourself. Would you look at me and say, what are you saying? All right. So dictation is a concept. There's nothing wrong with that. The content of dictation is what we should be auditing. In a land like ours, we need dictatorship. We need a form of it. You may not agree, right? Participatory ideology is not in our kingdom. Heaven cannot practice democracy. Hello? Now, part of what this means is the world is accepting freedom at new levels. The highest level of freedom is psychosis. When you are very free, you are on your own. You know, the freest people are naked on the streets. They, they, are, they are free. You know, they are free. Free to do anything. Natural air, everything. They are just going free people. When you are very free, when you are totally free, you are totally mad. So freedom cannot be absolute. Freedom must be subjected to reasoning. And reasoning must be guided by truth. Except that that is also the way emotions is designed to be associated with. Emotions is not designed to communicate truth. Emotion is not designed to birth action. Between emotion and action, there is a process. Just like freedom, emotions must be subjected to reasoning. Reasoning must be guided by truth before action can be taken. Once you miss that, you will form weapons against yourself sincerely, and there is no grace to protect you from that. No weapon from against you shall prosper, no doubt, as long as it's from outside. Once the weapon is from inside and you are the one forming the weapon by yourself, it has prospered long before it was designed. Are you here? So appreciate the idea that you owe yourself a type of association with the Holy Spirit so that you can stay on top of the game. The Bible says the sons of Issachar, they knew the times. The Bible says wisdom and stability shall be what? Shall be what? Sorry. Wisdom and understanding shall be the stability of what? The times, our times, wisdom and understanding shall be the stability. It first of all means our times will be unstable. And the stability of that times will be reflected in our clarity. In our clarity. And the goal of clarity is momentum, action, transformation. When you are clear, you act right. When you have knowledge... You may not even act at all. You can have knowledge and not do. You can have knowledge and do wrong. But you cannot have clarity and do and not do. When you have clarity, inertia dies, indolence dies, action and momentum take effect, wisdom is in operation. Clarity is seeing it exactly as it should be seen. Knowledge is seeing it according to your view. And that can still miss how it should be seen. Am I talking to you? In a post-truth world, that has to be understood. Because what is happening in our world now is that the world is being managed by feelings. Feelings and emotions are now superior to objective facts and logic. That's post-truth. That's not my word. Check it online. Those days, we used to deal with fiction movies. We used to deal with fiction novels. 
post-truth is now that the fiction is now the truth. Am I talking to you? It means it doesn't have to be factual. It doesn't have to be true. It doesn't even have to be the truth, but it can be accepted by the majority. Emotions is the strength of that association. Now there's freedom of movement, but there's trespass. There's freedom of speech, but there's libel. That means that freedom must have some form of shackle. You can't just be free and do as you like. You have the right to move anywhere in the world, but you have no right to choose to come to my house. That's robbery. We will arrest you. Do you get? That's trespass. So freedom must have its limitation. In the same way, emotions need assistance. It's not an independent variable. It's a dependent one. People are sincerely in prison. People are sincerely poor. Have you noticed? People are sincerely frustrated. People are sincerely killed, sincerely raped. Because sincerity is not a factor of production. Land, labor, capital, entrepreneur. You can't find sincerity there. It's not enough to be sincere. When you are very sincere and that's all you have, it will be like the man that is full of hope and hope alone. If hope is your only ingredient of success, you know what's going to happen to you? Without any other impact from any other source, you will realize that hope is a dependent variable. It is not an independent one. It means it's a tool of performance. It does not perform. So hope has inbuilt capacity to wear you out. That's what the Bible says, hope, make. Hope is the one making it. Hope sustained unnecessarily, not converted to results within a time frame. That hope on its own, without no other assistance, what will it do? It's going to wear you out. That's why faith, which is a function of hope, is so powerful. But faith does not work as an independent variable. Bible says faith worketh by love. Bible says faith works with patience. Because if you carry only faith and that's all you have, you will have a lot of faith to sustain a lot of determination to initiate a self-designed attack to slow yourself down or keep you stagnant. And so many people are like that. Slowing themselves down, bouncing on one spot, engendering momentum, but not progressing. So, the articulation is, you need to understand the dimension of the times. When I was growing up, words like lies, falsehood, spins, when you lie, you need a form of intelligence to keep that lie. In fact, liars must have very long memory. Otherwise, you will forget what you lied about yesterday. You will say, my father has two cars. Next, you will say, it's three. So there is a level of retention that you must have to be able to remember the rope between your last lie and the new one you want to invent. Do you understand? So lying requires intelligence and some form of science. Falsehood requires scripts to sustain. You need to write scripts upon scripts to keep falsehood going. Post-truth world is basically on emotions. It doesn't even require science. It doesn't require intelligence or scripts. It just needs to be believed by the majority. Are we here? So, social media algorithms are more powerful than objective research in our time. It's the only reason why Donald Trump could rise. He rose based on a simple concept of populism. And that idea simply is the idea. Now, that does not mean I don't support Donald Trump. And that does not mean I support him. I'm just explaining the science of his emergence. It's called populism. Are you here? That cannot happen except in a post-truth world. That is, post-truth suggests that there is pre-truth truth 
and post-truth. After truth, we want a higher experience to capture the truth. So even at your highest level of truth, there's something that is being promoted as superior to endanger, to threaten the force of truth. Emotion is his strength. Therefore, somebody came and said there was an inauguration. The people who were at the inauguration for Barack Obama were fewer than those who were at the inauguration of Donald Trump. Now, this is not something anybody should debate. People were there. Cameras took it. Seats were counted. Nobody should argue about it. It's just a plain fact that there were more people at Barack Obama's inauguration. And if I was American, I wouldn't be a Democrat. So don't say I'm supporting Barack Obama. I'm just saying there were more people at Barack Obama's inauguration than there were at Donald Trump's inauguration. But the Republicans came through the press secretary and said there are alternative facts. Now, if you just take that as English language, you'll be missing a very instructive point. Alternative fact. That's a, a paradox. It should just be facts. There should not be alternative facts. Because alternative facts mean that I can say this is a watch, and it's a fact. That should be the end of it. Somebody else can say, no, it's a spoon. And if for whatever reason or by any articulation, everybody can accept that it's a spoon, then it will become a spoon. Not because it is less a watch, but because everybody believes it's a spoon. Are we together? Therefore, it means how we feel about the truth is superior to what the truth is about. Are you here? What we feel about the truth is superior to what the truth is about. That is a post-truth world. And by that fact, Brexit rose. You must understand some of the ingredients that delivered Brexit. 350 million of the uh, National Health Scheme or something like that, um, um, if saved, instead of um, delivered around the EU association, can help us to have a better experience at home. It was a pure lie. First of all, it was even about 250 million. It's not even 350 million. But essentially, a lot, a lot of people believed it, and based on that, Brexit was delivered. Essentially, that is the most critical success factor of that experience. That is a prostrate world. There's nothing that cannot be sold to be true. The guy who is loudest is the guy who is heard. It doesn't matter how wise I am. The guy who can generate the greatest attention online can swallow my words. Not because I am less wise or because my intelligence has reduced, but because his foolishness is well organized. And if you can organize that foolishness and that silliness and stupidity in a particular way, it can get popular attention. So the loudest is the wisest. The wisest can be at the back. Under pro-truth, wisdom is foolishness. Foolishness is wise. Mediocrity is excellent. Excellence is mediocre. Mediocrity has front seat. Intelligence, excellence has back seat. In a post-truth world, reality is upside down. When you are prudent, they say you are stingy. When you are um, principled, they say you are mean and wicked. When you are confident, they say you are arrogant and prideful. When you are loving and kind, they say you are a mugu and you are a fool. And so the world is being turned around. You are now compelled to look for the worst part of you to prove that you are smart. Because in your ability to communicate only love, society judges you as small, weak, and foolish. 
if you are not careful and you don't know what is going on, you begin to appease. It's like when you stay in England for a very long time. If you are not very careful, you can become very stingy. Hello? If you stay in the UK for a very long time, if you stay long enough and you don't manage yourself well and stay with your clarity, you'll be stunned at how tough it can be to accommodate anybody else. People come to say hello to you. You can accommodate them for one week. After about three days, you say, come, we pay gas here. This guy will say, yeah. One pound can feel like blood, regardless of how many you have it. They call it precious pounds. Precious pounds. Are we together? So, I'm trying to say to you, we are endangered species. Our content is endangered. The Bible says, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. We need to know the times that we are in. These are very complex times. And let me shock you. 2017 is not a new year. Every year I spend time in research to photograph through prescience and trend watching the contents of the 365 days. And I hold an event every December deliberately to gather 100 thinkers to show them what the new year will be about. And I put in a product. I brought some of them here today. But essentially, the idea is that 2017 has occurred before. 2017 is a bridge year. Probably I've not heard that word before. I don't know. But it's a bridge year. It means what you do in 2017 can correct your errors of the last 10 years. And it can determine your experiences in the next four years. It's a bridge year. It's standing right there between all your unguardedness of the last 10 years and the wisdom of your life in the last four, in the next four. Therefore, 2017 is not an independent year. What you do now can shape your human experiences forever. You have to get it right. Six months into it already. You need to know what to do. And let me tell you two powerful things about 2017. 2017 is about power. Let me even throw you a, just a little thought to let you know we have been here before. Who handed over power to Shagari? First of all, do you know there is a similarity between Shagari's government and Jonathan's government? Perfect similarity. A lot of waste, a lot of unguidedness, a lot of stuff. I'm not a PC, I'm not PDP. But there was a lot. No, seriously, I'm not APC and I'm not a PDP. So I'm not attacking anybody. I'm just saying there's a lot of similarity between Shagari's government and Jonathan's government. Except that, who took over from both of them? Buhari, essentially, as far as I'm concerned. Buhari took over from Shagari, took over from Jonathan. Who had the power to both of them? Essentially, Obasanjo. Hello? And then if you look at our economic and social political experiences today, they are not too different from where we were in 19 something. That does not mean this government is not doing its best. I'm just telling you prescience, just the science of things. Are we here? And the occurrence of things, the emergence of things, that's what I'm talking about. Are you here? So 2017 is not new. If you think it's a new year, it's because you don't know. This is not a new year. It has occurred before. What you now need to do is to act differently. In acting differently, you have to understand power dynamics. This is the time to stay with your God. If you are not born again, you don't need this message. If you are born again, listen to me. This is the time for you to align with what God is doing. You can't align with a position you don't know. You need to know where God is, and you need to know how to align with it. And it is not a discovery, because a lot of our experiences in God, we can't design. They are revealed. So what you need to deepen is your association and the authentic experience you need to have will be revealed to you 
you don't pursue your dreams, don't believe motivational speakers. You don't, motivational speakers are essentially like religion. It's an attempt to capture what can work. It is not working. Hello? Are you here? So, a motivational speaker will tell you, don't give up. Listen, giving up is a skill. You have to know when to give up. If you hold on to what God is not backing up, you will give up the ghost. It's just a matter of time. You can't just hold on to stuff and say, never give up, never give up. No. If you believe you should never give up, you can't progress with God. There are friends to give up on. There are associations to give up on. There are environments to give up on. There are mentalities to give up on. There are philosophies to give up on. Are we together? So there's a time to give up. There's time for everything. The Bible says there's a time to hold on. There's a time to give up as lost. There are times for both. Are you here? Therefore, when you understand that, you open yourself to something that can govern you deeply, deeper, more than mere facts. And what the world is using to rough down, men are loving men with passion. The Bible says in our times, it's called perilous times. Men will be unthankful, ungrateful. Men will be lovers of themselves, haters of God. A man's enemies shall be members of his household. People will lose control of their fidelity towards God. They will marry things they can touch and feel. And all manner of things will happen. Wickedness of the highest proportion. Darkness will cover the air, deep darkness the people. They will be casting down at amazing levels. Lifting up for some. Particularly those in Christ. So you have to understand the times. It's like evil has prophetic backing to express itself at a level. But the kingdom has positioning for every child of God in that situation so that in the depth of the darkness, your light can find new strength. Because darkness is an amazing instrument that allows light to define its legitimacy. So you need darkness to qualify light. Because without darkness, there's no way to qualify light in that sense. Light is not an independent variable either. It needs darkness for qualification. Glory is superior to light. And that one is independent. It doesn't require form of qualification. Because even in darkness, that glory is light. Are we together? So understand, therefore, that we have to be a type of people, guys. You don't pursue your dreams. You position for it. Dreams are not meant to be found. Dreams are designed to come after you. What you need is to position yourself. What is happening is dreams are pursuing us. They are coming to where we should be. They are not meeting us there. Because we are running after what is not missing. Just imagine that you are looking for your wristwatch right now, which is in your hand. All of us here will be assured that something else is going on. It can't be normalcy, whatever it is. The idea is that you are looking for what is not missing. When you look for what is not missing, it's a flavor of lunacy. Are we together? And so we are not supposed to be looking for our dream, searching for our dreams, searching for wives, looking for either finds a wife, finds a good thing. Finding is not necessarily a research point. I can find this handkerchief without searching for it. I can just be focused on what I'm supposed to focus on. And as I work, I'm not looking for this thing. I'm just doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Finding also means that if I run and I'm just walking and I step on something, I say, oh, what is that? I have found my face towel, but I wasn't looking for my face towel. So finding is also revelational. 
It doesn't mean pursuit. So because either finds a wife, finds a good thing, does not connote that either search and pursue a wife, finds a good thing. Pursuit is a human engine and it's a human energy. You have to be careful your pursuit of your pursuit and ensure that those pursuits are in God. Why don't we receive? I'm going to get there very soon as I round up. But understand that in these times, what you need is positioning. Goodness and mercy shall not be pursued all the days of your life. The Bible says all you need to do is position yourself. As you do what I'm supposed to do, the Lord being your shepherd, rise telling you to lie where you should lie, staying still and managing the contents of his expectation. The Bible says goodness and mercy shall follow you, not for a while, all the days of your life, not at any point, not in a season, that goodness and mercy shall follow you. Value is designed to follow you. Your dreams are designed to follow you. What is happening is value, dreams, success, greatness, all of those things have divine instruction to gravitate towards his presence. They work towards his presence. There is an articulation of value in God's kingdom that gravitates towards anybody principled. But at a level of manifestation, value is designed to come after you. And once you understand that, you position. The Bible says uh, very simply, um, um, abundance lie in the fallow ground of the poor. It's not poor because it doesn't have, but because it doesn't know where it is. And the Bible says, like he that wander, like the bird that wanders away from his nest, so is he that wanders away from his place. When a bird is away from his nest, wandering, what's going to happen to him? He's going to starve. When you wander away from your place, you disconnect yourself. The Bible says he has determined our appointed times and the boundaries of our habitation. If perhaps we will grope for him, for in him we live, we move, we have our being. It means that essentially destiny is location sensitive. You are supposed to be located and then all the neutrons of that location will meet you there. That is what is most critical in these times. Please read economists. Read what GQ is saying. Read what Time Magazine is saying. Get into what News, news, uh, news Watch, um, CNN, BBC, Al Jazeera. Study all the information in Forbes, CNBC. Know what the financial books are saying. But please, in God's name, understand what the Bible is saying as well. It's so critical that you stay in the Word. Bible says, Matthew twenty two twenty nine. you are in error, not knowing the scriptures, not the power of God. The times are deadly, ladies and gentlemen. A lot is going on in our world today. People, you just can't act as you wish. You can't take positions as you wish. You need to understand assignments, protective power. I call it APP. Stay under that grace. Let God shield you. Evans is out there. Many more are out there. There's so much being thrown around, darts of incredible proportion, evil at levels we cannot imagine, violence being determined in the world. We have terror in the world like more than ever before, natural disasters. All manner of things are happening. The best thing to do now is to zero in on God's idea for your balance. For that, there are five things to obey. The first one is connection. The first one is connection. The first one is connection. You need to be able to respond to your world. Bible says, because you are precious in my sight, I will give the people in exchange for your life. Because you are precious in my sight. 20 people may need to go before you can have a little scratch. 100 people may need to go before AJ can meet you. 
The Bible says, because you are precious in my sight, I will give people in exchange for your life. You are covenant children. You need to keep your connection alive. In keeping your connection alive, that's called a walking, talking relationship with the Holy Ghost. Stay with the Holy Spirit. Never get out of your house without praying in the Spirit, without commanding the day, without saying good stuff that you want in your life. There are 12 traits of lunacy. 12 traits of lunacy. One of them is the ability to leave a point without a destination in view. There's nobody in this room that can leave your seat without a destination in view. Even if you are going for a walk, you know you just can't be walking to Joss. You have an idea of where you will stop and come back. Otherwise, it's lunacy. Nobody in this room can get up, even just to get up from your seat, except there's a photograph of a destination in your mind, even if it's just to stand up. The idea is you can't leave a point without a destination in view. Once you can do that, it's lunacy. And there are two types of lunatics, docile lunatics and <clears throat> extreme lunatics. Extreme lunatics are on the street naked, picking food from everywhere. Docile lunatics can look like me, drive a Range Rover, sit in a big house, uh, walk in a skyscraper, travel business class, and still be lunatics. Why? They share 12 traits with extreme lunatics. One of them is that both of them are able to leave a point without a destination in view. For the madman, it's understandable. It's a visible quantity. You can see him walking around. He has no destination. For me, it may not be that visible, except that people like me can walk into a whole day without a photograph of how the day should go. We can walk into a whole month without a photograph of how the month should go. We can walk into a whole year without a photograph of how the year should go. We can walk into a whole 10 years without a plan and a goal for the 10 years. That is leaving a point without a destination in view. And though it does not qualify you as an extreme lunatic, it qualifies such a person as a docile lunatic. Because essentially they are bound by the same methodology and thinking. Therefore, number your days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Each day must have a meaning. A billion naira is one naira in one billion places. 80 years is, eight, is one day in, 80, in um, 365 times 80 um, time, eight times. 10 years, 8 times, that is 80 years. Each of those 10 years are 365 days. Each of them is a whole existence. There is no such thing as a future. Get off it. I have five minutes more. There is no such thing as a future. Disconnect your mind from the concept of a future. A future is not practical. A future is an arrangement by God to keep your curiosity alive, to keep you enthusiastic, to keep you hopeful, to keep optimism alive. In practical terms, there is no such thing as a future. Nobody has arrived in the future to experience it in a moment. You say good morning because you are in the morning. You say good afternoon because you are in the afternoon. You say good night because you are in the night. You say good evening because you are in the evening. You are experiencing it. You will never have the misfortune of saying good life. Sorry, of saying good future. Have you ever said good future to somebody because you are in the future? You will never have to say so. Yesterday was once a future. Today was once a future. The future you call a future when you get there, you are going to call it today. Moment now is your critical moment. The today you must understand is the bridge between your experiences of yesterday and the future that you have envisaged. It means yesterday is an idea. Sorry, yesterday is an experience. Tomorrow is an idea. Today is your critical platform of exchange. Any idea about tomorrow that renders you indolent and irresponsible or inactive today is a self-initiated attack to slow yourself down. You have to be engaged in the future. The future you know must be the, detail, the today you have engaged. That is how it works. Stay in the now. Connect that tomorrow to what you're doing today. And what do you do there? Stay with God. 
How do you stay with God? Yes, pray in the spirit. Do all of that. Content. Five C's. Connection. Content. People come to me. They touch me. They touch my car. At times, I'm leaving. I went to a church called Koza some years ago. Uh, I was speaking. Some young people just came. They're just touching my car. I had to report them. Because I was so angry. Because you don't get it. I spent 12 years in one university studying a four-year course. 12 years. Eight years of extra. Finished with a third class. Trying to get a four-year degree. After 12 years, you should have PhD and two masters and one BSc. At the end of 12 years, I got a BSc. I should have taught somebody's degree and, I, and just have it. For nine years, I had no child. For nine years. How did I go through all of that? I should have just touched somebody's child, Pam, and just have a child. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have to touch anything, touch two things. Your head and your spirit. This hand, this brain under God. That's where you are going. That's where you are going. That's where you are going. Stay with me. Stay with me. I have three minutes more. That's where you are going. Understand that it's not by touching. It's by my spirit, say the Lord. And so you need a walking, talking relationship with that spirit. There's no discount. There's no discount. You are going to walk the path or you walk nothing. That's how it works. Do you understand what I'm saying? So get into that groove. Stay in God's word. Three chapters a day, five on Sunday. You finish the whole Bible every year. Six chapters a day, 12 on Sunday. You finish it every six months. 12 chapters a day, 20 on Sunday. You finish it every three months. I finished the Bible now with all humility, not to brag at all. But I can't even count. Maybe 18 times, maybe 20 times. By March this year, I finished the Bible. By the end of June, I finished it again. I'm going to finish it four times this year. Every quarter, I'll be done with the Bible. How do you do that? I've told you. Three chapters a day, five on Sunday. You do it every year. You finish the Bible once. And let's compare notes. Let me tell you something. When you finish the Bible once, hmm, the first things you will notice is that you will say things you know you don't know. It will proceed out of your mouth. You say, no, I, I didn't know that. I didn't study that. The second thing you will notice is that your friends will begin to ask you questions. The third thing you should know is the biggest thing that happens to you to know that you have come. When your families begin to ask you questions because they know you more than anybody else. When your mom, your dad, your siblings are now seeking your counsel. It means something is open inside of you. Ladies and gentlemen, don't covet people's speaking ability. Don't try to touch stuff. Get into the secret. Everybody was a nobody till something came into their life. It's called the word. Get the word into your life and get strong. Stop sending me mails and asking me what's my secret. How are you speaking like this? Stop sending me some kind of mails. I said to everybody that cared to listen. How did I speak like this? You don't know who I am. 12 years studying a four-year course. I'm not smart. I wasn't smart. At the end of first semester in school, Eight carryovers. Second semester, seven carryovers. At the end of one year, 15 carryovers. I got to 400 level with 52 carryovers. I was in 400 level, not final year. Definitely, that guy is not smart. You don't know what I'm doing with my brain now. I live in a fantastic house, married to a queen, fly business class. Things have changed completely. People pay me a lot of money for the way I think, for what I say. The difference is not that I have read so many books, is that a bean has been installed into my bean. And because of that bean, I am able to activate a level of discipline. Discipline not in magazines, not in books, all of that you should do, but do the Bible more. That is the secret. That is the secret. Connection, content, 
Once content is in force, communication is guaranteed. Your mouth is trained by your content. The Bible says the prudent and the wise store up knowledge. The Bible says the tongue of the wise make knowledge acceptable. The opposite is that the tongue of the foolish make the same knowledge unacceptable. We can have the same knowledge, except the Holy Ghost is touching it. He said, I will give you a mouth and a wisdom which none of your opponents can gainsay nor resist. There's a company that is studying my law of the loophole right now. I don't have a PhD. Maybe I'll have it someday if I choose to. But ladies and gentlemen, I have spoken to 24 PhD degree holders listening to my science about how inventions were called. I have seen how it works. The Holy Ghost showed me there's something called zero to one. That's the spirit of invention. There's something called one to infinity. That's the spirit of innovation. It's improvement. One is creative. That creative one is the Holy Ghost, but it can be explained to any human being to master the discipline. Ladies and gentlemen, the cure to cancer is in your head. If you're a pharmacist here, you have the cure to diabetes. There's somebody here that is going to do something. The world, CNN, all of them are going to gather to say, how did you do it? When you do normal stuff, people recognize your intelligence. They don't yield their existence to you. For them to yield, for CNN to yield, for the biggest problem in the world to yield, White House to yield, you have to do something that is like an aha moment. Only the Holy Ghost can birth such a thing. Guess what? Sinners are birthing it by the Holy Ghost. Slaves riding on king's backs. Because there's something called skill. And I need to get out of your face. I know just give me two more minutes, Pastor. Two more minutes. Listen to me. You need to understand how that works. Please, can you come? Come quickly. Can you come too? This is my... So come up, come up. Don't worry, you won't fall. Uh, I know, I know, I know. That, put it on me. So, you are my son, you are my slave. You don't obey me, you don't greet me, you don't sing to me. You just frown two, four hours. But if I tell you, take this microphone, I'm coming. By the time I come back, you will turn into a microphone and tap water. If I delay one more month, you will change it to a microphone, tap water, and shoe. If I delay one more year, you will make internet out of this microphone. If I delay two more years, you will build a city from this microphone. That's you. Super creative, super alert, super designing, solving problems in the environment, but you don't greet me. You, don't, you frown, you bone, you don't sing to me, you don't care about me but you use my works to deliver value for yourself and for anybody that can pay you. That's who you are. This guy is my son. He sings to me a lot. He greets me every morning. He spends time to talk to me. But if I give him a microphone, I will meet his fault. This guy has to fix it. If I give him a car, he's going to break it down. He's going to use it so well, so neatly, he will give me the car back. That's the parable of the talent. He said, when I give you something, I'm expecting a multiplier effect. I'm not expecting a usage effect. Everything is designed with a lifespan. So if all you do is use, then I have a problem with that. Don't just use. Give it its next level. Define its next level. So you are my son. You don't do all of that. You do all of that, but you're born. Now I'm going on a trip. Or before I go on a trip, one of our brothers is sick. We need to go to the hospital. You can drive. You cannot drive. Instead of learning driving, you just sing to me. So, now we need to get to the hospital. Who will I call to drive the car? Him or him? Why will I call him? Because at a level of manifestation, skill is superior to positioning. And this guy, with his skill, is multiplying. Listen to me. The son. The 
son, though he is the heir, Galatians 4, as long as he is immature, as long as he is a child, it's not different at all from a slave. When you see me sending ideas to the slave, you may think I am choosing between a slave and a son. He may wonder why I am giving it to a slave and not a son. He doesn't know that by the principle of my kingdom, immaturity is equal to slavery. I am not making a choice between a son and a slave. I am making a choice between two slaves. Because his own sonship, not by positioning, by operationally, has been downgraded to the level of a slave. And though I love him more, a slave is now riding on a king's back. The difference is their choices. If this guy can remember that I've told him that I do good to all men, not just to them. I do good to all men. I reign on the good and the evil. The seeing eye and the hearing her, both are from the Lord. This guy will be more humble to ask me about my discipline. I'm ready to move you forward, but you have to understand how I do it. There are four realms of knowledge. There's what and why. That's the energy of motivation. There's how. That's the energy of innovation. There's what else. That's the energy of invention. And you have to camp with the Holy Ghost inside what else. That is where we are, guys. Instead of dreaming to one day own a car, we, by the Spirit, naturally, can dream of making the Nigeria car. Instead of dreaming to one day fly a plane business class, we can own a plane manufacturing company. We can be the source. The world can be the buyers. What is happening now is that we are the buyers. They are the source. Ladies and gentlemen, we need big ideas in the world. Christians have to stop thinking about small things like cars, like houses. A car is not a testimony. It's a tool of effectiveness. It's your years in poverty that make you define a car as an instrument of superiority. People who don't kill, who don't steal, who don't do anything, who don't cheat, who don't do all of that are buying a car with superior customer segmentation, market penetration. They are thinking clearly and buying the car. You are using anointing oil, the gift of faith, the working of miracles, angelic support, vigil, and then all of the instruments of prayer, the word, angelic ministry, uh, the Holy Ghost, the indwelling of the Spirit, speaking in tongues, the, the fruit of the Spirit, the gift of the Spirit. You are using prayer of agreement. You are using all of that to pursue the same thing that this guy, through discipline, is pursuing. It has to be that discipline is equal to our God, superior to our God, or there's something about our God we are yet to be clear about so that we can show this guy that this is the end time. You are a mountain, but the Lord has told us we are also mountains. All that you have, we can have. But in the latter days, the mountain of the lost house shall be chief of the mountains, such that this guy will be superior, you will be tough. There's no room for a valley. There's no room for a hill. In the last days, all mountains must be mountains. But the mountain of the lost house shall be chief of the mountains. It means all you have, we have. What you cannot have, we will have. And when we manifest what you cannot have, you will unlock your humility to come to us to say, show us your way. And let us know how it's going down. As I drop this mic today, guys, and I mean it now, I mean it this time. As I drop this mic, I want you guys to understand that feelings is changing your reality. You are bowing to what can be heard, not what is true. Not what is true. 
not what is true. I don't want to go beyond, I don't want to go into theology. Otherwise, I'll ask you, open your eyes. I thank God that you have found yourself in this house. You know why I respect you, sir, and I respect your ministry? Why I respect Pastor Godman? Because authentic leadership is one of the rarest components in our time today. Be glad you are in this house. Don't warm the pew. Ask what you can do. Join this force. We, are, we don't have many of it in the kingdom today. A new school of leadership is rising. And you guys have to align. But there's no scripted expressions of value. There's only value. And it's the name of Jesus. Get connected by a walking, talking relationship with the Holy Spirit. Get into the word content. Communicate. Conviction. Operate from inside out. That conviction you cannot get because you want it. You cannot get by just hoping. You get it by staying in God's word. For faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Do that. And once you get your conviction, your, your connection right, you get your content right, you get your conviction right, you get your communication right, consistency is a natural experience. With that, the world will bow to you. They will give you what indeed you deserve and is yours. Please rise to your feet. I want to make a prayer. Your ears will hear a voice behind you saying this is the way walking it. Today I share grace. If you, if you get into the Bible and you finish reading, you don't have to remember what you read. Many times you will read the Bible, you will ask yourself as you finish, what did I read? You can't even recollect. Don't let the devil chance you in that moment. The Bible is not a textbook. It's not designed for recall. It is designed for revolution. You may not remember what you are reading. In the day of adversity, in the day of conflict, it will rise up from your inside. It may not rise as a word. It may rise as an attitude. It may rise as a mental behavior. It may rise as a position, but it will rise. The Holy Spirit will raise a standard in that moment. Just keep storing it. Just keep storing it. Never go into a day without spending time with the word. When I say time, I don't mean 20 chapters. Don't do what I'm doing. Just do a verse. Just do two verses. Faithfulness in little will bring more. It's only a verse you can do. Do that verse every day. You won't know when you will cross to two verses. You won't know when you will cross to a chapter. You won't know when you come to 10 chapters. But the life without the word is a weak life. Incapable of standing in our times. Heavenly Father, the spirit of the word spirit of clarity. The Bible says we are in error, not knowing the scriptures, not the power of God. Let a hunger for your word be birthed in this place today. More than ever, it's here already, but we multiply it to its next level. Today by grace, in the name of Jesus, the word of God sweeter than Coca-Cola. The word of God enjoyable than a movie. In the name of Jesus, somebody will open it grudgingly, he will close it excitedly. He will open it at times mistakenly. He will be glued and lost in that moment. By your spirit. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for the word. Thank you for the integrity of the word. Thank you for our experiences. Thank you for newness today. In the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Hallelujah.
Pastor, can I just announce this very quickly? You can come, sir. You can come. Now, I have some products here. I mentioned Nest 365. Understanding the Nest 365. Um, four hours of designing 2017. I do it every year. It's two DVDs, four audio CDs, a devotional, and a bonus CD. Resolutions are de designed to fail. Have you noticed that everybody is wise in January? Have you noticed? Everybody is wise in January. By February, that wisdom will be tested. By March, April, it will crack. By June, we've forgotten about it. Resolutions. I've put here some wisdom to managing resolutions. And the key ideas about 2017, we have six months to go. And these are not just generic knowledge. By the last quarter of this year, I will not sell this again because it's for 2017. It's very expensive, and I'm not sorry. So if you go to my stand somewhere, my stand is somewhere, and go see them. It's 20,000 naira. For today, we let it go for 10,000 naira. See, you won't have cash. I've prepared. So I have POS machine. So just bring your ATM and swap. The money comes to us. The product comes to you. Do you get? If you can't afford it, your time will come. All right? Don't go and meet me and say, Lord, can I have five, five, five? No. Now, this is my trove pack, 25 CDs. It's also more expensive, and I remain unapologetic. It's 50,000 naira. If you don't have the money, don't shake. Just wait for your time. But it's half the price of Fumi Air. I can see a lot of Fumi Air here, Brazilian Air. I can see all of that here. So you can afford it. It's half the price of some sh I've seen some dangerous sh shoes in this place. You can afford this, right? So if you have time, go to my stand and go get it. Before I leave, I want to thank you for enduring me, for uh, accepting the torture of my time. Thank you, sir, for the time. I deeply appreciate it. God bless you, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.